Listen, I'm so glad you're in God's house this morning. Um, we've got a treat beyond the Brown sisters. Um, I've had an opportunity to travel. When I, uh, when I left uh, Oregon the first time, we left in 2009. We resigned our church in Eugene, Oregon, and we went down to L.A., to uh, be a part of a team that was overseeing about 230-some churches in the greater Los Angeles area. And um, to my surprise, part of that team was a next-gen guy that was going to be responsible for all things youth, young adults in the district in Los Angeles. And I met Justice Coleman then and began to just be super impressed with him and uh, watched him grow, watched him develop his, his passion for the Lord, his love for his family was just, how I many you know sometimes you can be in a generation and be not of that generation, that there can be something about you that is just different, that transcends your generation. And so got a chance to spend so much time with him. We, we became babysitters for his children and that type of thing. And then I watched him develop a calling in his life and watched this thing grow inside of him called a church plant and watched him. I guess the church plant is 10 years old now, multi-site, over a thousand people, hundreds of people giving their life to the Lord on a weekly basis. And, and the most humbling part of that is he calls me pastor. And I just love him and can't wait for you to experience his ministry this morning. Give Justice Coleman a big hand as he comes this morning. Morning. Come on. If you think you have the best pastors on the planet, Pastor Keith and Coco, can you make some noise? Come on. Are there any fans of Pastor Keith and Coco? Man, they are fans of you. I get to talk so often with Keith about what God is doing in your church and through your life. And isn't it crazy that today is like a one-year anniversary of sorts of when our church, your church and my church, moved out of the building a year ago because of this worldwide pandemic. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, hey, we're looking pretty good. Let them know we're looking good. And just yesterday, did you know that your church, an extension of your giving and the volunteers here and your mission as a church family, you helped almost 200 people with free pop-up medical clinic yesterday. Did you know that? So I was there at Pastor Keith's house hearing about the stories of lives that are being changed. And I just wonder, would we have been doing all this stuff if it hadn't happened to, for this pandemic? I mean, that really kind of pushed us out of the building. But here we are today. We're going to study God's word. If you want to grab your Bible or your phone or whatever you're doing, if you're watching online, you can use your browser. We're going to turn to the book of Jonah. And I have the honor of kicking off this series. It's four chapters long, and today's week one. So I get to kind of set the scene for the prodigal prophet. What a great title. You know, Pastor Keith is my pastor. Did he tell you that? He's my pastor. It's a, he's like a spiritual father to me. Um, not, like in a, not like in a creepy way. Like I don't call him daddy or anything like that, okay? So calm down. Somebody's watching online like, what does that mean, a spiritual father? I just mean he's like, he's more than a friend. He's a pastor. Don't you know we have a lot of friends in life, but we only usually have one pastor. And uh, Keith loves you and he loves me. And what an honor it's been to journey with him for the last 10 years. You know, he knew me before I uh, had kids. And my family looks at him like family. And uh, like he said, he used to take care of my kids when they were little. I dropped them off of his house. And the other day we're riding, I think I told you this, we're driving, driving in the car. And uh, we we're talking about the military and different people who are in the military, grandparents. And, and my wife Maria says, uh, she goes, you know, Keith was in the Marines. And my oldest son goes, we have so many family in the military. And um, it's just he sees you as family. Isn't that incredible? And, um, you know, when we are in God's house together and we share one father, doesn't that make us brothers and sisters? It makes us a spiritual family. How amazing is that? So I feel like I'm home today. I feel like I'm getting to meet family for the first time today. So uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, now, having a spiritual father, having a pastor in my life like Keith, it's not really always that awesome. <laughs> I found a video on the plane on the way here. I want to show you what our relationship looks like. Go ahead and roll this video. He saw me doing push-ups online. Yo, okay, I'm from the Marine Corps. If you're going to do push-ups, you got to stop looking like a snake. Your back all curved. Keep your back straight. Your head and eyes to the front. And sound off like you got a pair when you are doing push-ups. Or don't do them. I don't want to see these half-bent elbows. I want you to go down and up. One. Down and up. Two. Down and up. Three, not this little wimp stuff I see you doing. What are you doing? Get your back straight. Come on, give it up for Pastor Keith. He will make a man out of you. Jonah. 
chapter one. <laughs> hey, would you do this? If you're watching online or if you're here in the building, would you, will you put a hand over your heart? Let's ask God to touch our heart. Can we do that? Put a hand over your heart. Lord, you see what we're doing with our hand. Lord, you see those that are online right now. And we're asking that you would reveal yourself to us in a way, come on, that we've never seen you before. If we can just see you in a new way today, we encounter your love in a new way. Man, we'll, we'll never be the same again. And that's what we want, to walk out of here different than we walked in. Thank you for giving us the prophet Jonah to teach us and the Holy Spirit who's with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Jonah chapter 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving to Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape, watch this, from the Lord <laughs> by sailing to Tarshish. He's like, I'm going to go to the furthest place on the map and get away from what God is calling me to do. Jonah knows the will of God. He knows how to obey God. And he knows the exact perfect way to disobey him and get out of the will of God as well. This book of Jonah is a, in the prophetic literature in the Bible. It's four chapters long. And you're going to go on a journey over the next few weeks together. So I want to do my job of kind of setting up where the story is. So we've got to talk about who Jonah is, who the God of the Bible is, the God of Israel and Judah. We've got to talk about who uh, Nineveh is. So let's start with who Jonah is. Jonah is a prophet. That means he spoke on behalf of God's people, excuse me, on behalf of God to God's people. So when God wanted to give a message to his people, he didn't have a big, crazy, booming voice out of heaven. He spoke through the prophet to the people. Does God still do that today, yes or no? Yeah, God, for those of us who are in Christ, we have been forgiven of what we've done. There's no barrier in the way of us hearing from God. If you're in this room right now, it is possible for you to hear from God. I believe God speaks to everyone. I believe God is at work in your life. I bet you, if we were to be honest with ourselves, God's probably been trying to speak to us all week. Can I get a witness? But it's not till we showed up today and our hearts were in the right place to actually hear from him. Because sometimes I'm a little dense and he's been trying to say things to me all week. And I feel like church is this magical place. But really, you know, the spirit of the God lives in me and I can hear him anytime I want. I'm just not listening. Can I get a witness? Any other hard heads in the kingdom of God or am I the only one? Okay. So we got, we, <laughs> Pastor Keith goes, obviously. Okay, so we got the prophet Jonah and then we have the God of the Bible. Now, understanding that this is actually a message, like I said, Two, everybody's going to read this. Everybody knows about Jonah. We see him in 2 Kings. We know, we know that he's a prophet. And this is a story not about Jonah, but about what God is doing more than Jonah across the whole world. Did you know that God is, is still fulfilling the same plan that he started in the garden however many thousands of years ago? That God is bringing about worldwide restoration, redemption, and reconciliation across the whole globe. I'll say it this way. God loves everybody in this room. He loves everybody who's watching right now. And he loves everybody out in the city of Gresham right now and the whole world just as much as he always has. There's nothing you could do to separate yourself from the love of God. He loves you. He's working on you. He wants to work through you. He is for you. God loves all people. No matter where you're tuning in from right now, because there obviously, there's got to be somebody today who just, you text a friend. Hey, raise your hand if you text somebody and gave them a link to today's message. Just let them, you text them to tune in. Okay, invite your friends to church. Okay, invite your friends to church next week. Shoot, what's the website? Wow, invite your friends to church. Never been easier to invite friends to easthill.org. And when, the, when there's probably people tuning in who they're like, you know what, I can watch online because I can't step in the building because the moment I come into a church building, I feel kind of judged. They're going to judge my push-ups, they're going to judge uh, me. And, and I just want you to know if that's you and you're here today, this counts. You being at church right now counts. Does it count? We're glad you're here. We're glad you showed up. This message is going to be for you as well. God loves all people. God's speaking through the prophet Jonah to the world to bring about this mission. But he's sending him on a pretty radical assignment. He's sending him to the city of Nineveh. And the city of Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian nation. Have you heard of the Assyrians? You remember reading about them in the Bible? A few things I gotta tell you about these Assyrians, okay? Nineveh, the capital, it was the biggest city on the globe at the time. It was even bigger than Babylon. This is the 8th century BC. We're talking about a city of over 100,000 people. We read in the scriptures that it took Jonah three days just to walk the whole city because it was such a large, dense city. It was a pagan people, it was a brutal people, it was an evil people. And Israel and Jonah's generation, and the people of God, they had a history with Nineveh. 
The Assyrians were a brutal, violent people. And Jonah's generation had experienced the Ninevites coming into Israel, wreaking havoc, pillaging them, raiding them, taking their kids, kidnapping them, and taking them back to Nineveh. They'd experienced the raids where they would come in and they would murder all the, all the, all the adult males. And what would they do with the women of the city in that time? In Galilee, in Samaria, in what would they do? You can imagine what they would do. You know, you read in the New Testament about this real racial tension and, and prejudice against the Samaritan group of people. And the reason why is because when the Assyrians would come and they would raid Israel, what they would do is they would, they would have their way with the women of the city and they would leave. And then when those women would give birth to those, 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 the children that were, the, that were victims of, of rape, the, the, those kids would grow up and they were never looked at the same in that nation again. They were never looked at as fully Hebrew or fully Jewish or fully the people of God. And so it left the whole city and the whole nation in, in a real havoc. And, and these people were brutal. In fact, you know, if you were to go to London right now, there's a museum in the city of London that actually has excavated Back from the 760 BC, this actual palace that the Assyrian king lived in, in Nineveh. And it, the name of the palace is called the Palace like Beyond Wonder or Beyond Valor or something like that. And these gigantic, in fact I brought a picture if you can show it. These gigantic just murals and depictions of Nineveh. And this right here is a picture of the actual gate. This is a, this is a small shot of a six-story tall door when you're going into the palace. And what you're seeing there is you're seeing the exiles of Israel coming out. And what you can't see in the picture is you can't see Hezekiah, the king, the last king of Israel. He's actually in a birdcage. And there's a, there's a throne there that's surrounded by skulls. And there's people that were stuck on, on, on stakes. And am I being too graphic right now? Take that picture off the screen. I'm sorry. Uh, you guys Okay. Sorry, I was getting kind of, I was kind of nerding out for a minute right now. I was getting a little nerdy. Any nerds in the house or am I the only one, okay? Sorry. Your, your pastor, by the way, this dude's a nerd, okay? He studies the Bible so much. He's been talking to me about Nineveh all week. I'm like, people don't care about Nineveh, pastor. Anybody care about Nineveh? I don't know. Brutal, wicked, violent, just evil place. And they used to wreak havoc on Israel all the time. And they would look up over the horizon. There come the Ninevites. They'd come in, crush them, kidnap them, take them back. There's art to this day about this in museums because it was such, we have since excavated these kind of findings. We know, archaeologically speaking, just how brutal it was. And once upon a time, God said, you know what, Jonah? I feel like this group of people also needs to hear about my love and opportunity to repent and have a fresh start. And Jonah was like, yeah, that's a great idea for someone else. Tarshish, let's go. <laughs> How much does it cost to get to the other side of the globe? Because the last thing I want to do, it wasn't that he was afraid of Nineveh. It wasn't that he was afraid of the Assyrians. He just did not want to tell them about a loving God who's on a worldwide mission to restore all people unto himself and give fresh starts to people. He doesn't want to tell them that they have an opportunity to repent. Did you know that the will of God is closer to your life than you think? Can we talk about the will of God today for a second? I want to give you three ways to discern, to know, to move in the will of God. Because that's why you're here today. Did you come to church because you want to stay the same? No, you came because you want to grow. Do you want to know the will of God for your life, for your marriage, for your kids, for your dating life? Hello, for do you want to know the will of God for what school you're going to go to or what new job you're going to take? Isn't that when we want to know the will of God, right? We want to know the will of God when it's like, should I leave this job and go to this new job? Well, I need to know the will of God, the perfect will of God, because I imagine he has a preference of where I should be working. Do you think God cares about who, where you're working? You think about how he cares how much money you're making? Do you think he cares about how the people that are in that job around you every day that you're going to spend 40 hours a week with? Yeah. So we want to know the will of God for our life. Do you think God cares about who you're dating? Yeah. Relationships are a big deal to God. This guy came to me the other day at my church, and he's like, I really want to ask this girl out, but I kind of don't know if it's the will of God. How do I know if it's the will of God? And I said, well, you know, show me a picture of this girl. <laughs> I said, bro. <laughs> if you ask that girl out and she says yes, that is the will of God, okay? <laughs> the 
The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked the people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. I think sometimes we think about the will of God like a destination, but it's actually more of a direction. We think of the will of God as being someplace that we're going to arrive. We use language of it is the calling that is on my life. We use language of this is my purpose. This is my, my destiny. We, we talk about that. But really, the will of God is less stagnant, static and more dynamic. Who in here thinks of the will of God like it's a road map? Right? Like you're in the will of God. You're going to the will of God. Things are doing good. You're not watching rated R movies. You're just sticking to PG-13. You're, uh, you're not cussing as much as you used to. You move from... Four-letter cuss words down to three. You're your holy person. You're moving, right? You're just overcoming some things. And then, and then you mess up. You fall back into one of those struggles that you've had. And then you feel like you've kind of diverted from the will of God. And you, you know, and you, you got this like momentum to your sin. And you're back in this lifestyle. And now you're over here. And then you're like, oh, man, but I, I got to get to that destination. I got to get to that place. I got to get to that calling. And how much time have I lost? And you think that when you repent that you got to kind of backtrack and get over back here to where you picked up. And then, you know, then you can be back in the will of God. Don't you know that the direction of the will of God is about his movement in your life? And the moment you repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, let's go, is the moment he says, you got it, you're forgiven, I'm ready. See, God wants to release you into the God-given purpose and calling and movement in your life, but it's not a stagnant, it's not a stagnant roadmap. It's less about a roadmap and more about repentance. It's more about saying, God, I'm ready. Where are you at work? Where are you moving right now? See, we are closer to the will of God than we think because at the moment we repent and say, Jesus, I'm ready, is the moment he's ready to take you and send you into the will for your life. See, what happens here is that we look at the, the, the plan of God as if it's about us. And see, this is, this is a great story. This is a, I get the honor of opening this up because the story of Jonah is not really about Jonah. It's about Nineveh. Are you with me today? And so you read Jonah and you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm Jonah in the story. When, let's be honest. Any sinners in the house? We're Nineveh in the story. Right? So we see that Jonah does not want to go to this town in this city because he knows who his God is. He knows how gracious and merciful he is. And he doesn't want to go preach to them the good news about this incredible God and give them this, this chance. And so he moves in the opposite direction. He begins to move away. But the moment he repents, he is now back in the will of God. It's not where he started, but it's where he's supposed to be. And that's what the opportunity that we have every day Every moment, and especially on a day like today, in a few moments I'm going to give an invitation for people to give their life to Jesus. And I believe people are going to say, today's the day that I repent and I believe and I enter the will of God for my life. Do you think that's going to happen in a few minutes? Yeah? yeah? We'll invite friends to church next time. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was at my church for a second. Uh, point number one, to know the will of God, moving with the will of God, God is always moving you toward people. God is always moving you toward people. There's no purpose that's not connected to a person. There's no, there's no calling that's not connected to a people. Your, the calling that is on your life, the things that God has in store for you, there are great things that are intended for you, God's perfect will for your life, it's connected to other people. God's drawing you, moving you toward people. Who is he moving you toward today? He was moving Jonah toward Nineveh, and it bothered him so much, he tried to move the other way. Who is God moving you toward today? The will of God is not a roadmap. It's more like the ocean. The ocean. Think about this. I live in Southern California. I drive down PCH all the time. I see the ocean. I like to surf. Every time I've ever been in the water, I'm not worried about if a wave is going to come. There are always waves in the ocean. Always, sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're big. But as someone who surfs, I'm never thinking, I need to make a wave for myself right now. I need to generate a wave right now. What can I do to get a wave kicked up so I can catch this on my board? No, no, no. I know that God is going to send the wave. It's just up to me if I'm going to obey and respond and catch that wave or not. And see, God's always moving like waves. His plan is like an ocean of love that is surrounding and overflowing the whole world. And these waves are coming. And these waves are moving a direction. They're moving toward people. God is moving you toward that sister that you haven't talked to in months. He's moving you toward that coworker that things are always tense at work with because they blind copy you on emails and didn't tell you. Karen, I know you're watching. They're, 
He's moving you toward that person who owes you money. Can we have church right now? Can we have church for a second? He's moving you toward the people you don't like because God loves them. He's moving you toward the people who don't deserve the grace because they're not getting your grace. They're getting his grace. He's moving you toward people who need to know and experience the love of God, not because of how much you have to give, not because of what you're going to do, because of how much he already gave him because of what he already did. See, God wants to move through your life to change the world, and his movement, his direction, his will is always moving you toward people. Come on, say people. The second thing is God's always moving you toward, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell this story to illustrate it. So uh, years ago, we started this, this church. Before it was a church, it was uh, a Bible study in my apartment. And um, we called it the No Christians Allowed Bible Study. <laughs> Let me preface this. And that's because, um, I don't know if you've met Christians. No, I'm just kidding. That's because um, my friends who I invited to church would never come to church. Raise your hand if you've ever invited people to church and they act like they're going to come and they don't show up, right? And then it's awkward all the time, right? So I would invite my friends to church. They wouldn't come or they wouldn't come back. And I had like seven friends that I'm like, man, I want these people to know Jesus. He's changed my life so much. I want God to change their life so much. And so, you know, what I did was we, we made a phone call to the friends who wouldn't come to Jesus. So the first, come to church. So the first people we called, we called um, a friend of mine who was a famous DJ. And he worked every Saturday night. So there's no way he could ever come to church on Sunday morning because that was too late for him because, you know, he worked all night. Too early for him, I mean. And then I called some other friends and uh, called some friends who were living together. Uh, we call it cohabitating, right? They felt uncomfortable being at church because they knew their sin. Called another friend who uh, was a drug dealer. He felt really judgmental, right? Called another friend who was an ex-stripper. In fact, when I think about this, these are all my wife's friends. I don't even, I don't even know these people. Uh, their numbers are not on my phone. They're, it's her phone. So we call Maria's friends. We gather these people. And I told them, look, if you come to my Bible study and you don't believe Jesus is God and the Bible is true, by the end of this thing, I will never invite you to church again. Deal? And they're like, fine, I'll take you up on that. And they came, and we made dinner for them, and we taught the Gospels, and we worked with them. And would you believe me if I told you that every one of them began to slowly surrender their life to Jesus, that they gave their life to Jesus? Would you believe me if I told you that? I remember there was a pool outside, an apartment in the apartment complex. It was a freezing cold a, a pool. And, I, and I, did, I told them it was heated. I'm not going to lie to you. I did tell them it was a heated pool. But they needed to get baptized, and they got baptized, and now, now they are eternally secure, and their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It was a lie. I, did, I feel better. Do you feel better? I feel better since I told you right now. And all of this happened because God loves all people. Come on, say all people. But he's, once we give our life to Jesus, he's always moving in the same direction. And I remember this, this one night we had a Bible study, and I didn't ask Pastor Keith's permission to share this, so I'm going to look over here. Um, so I remember we were in this Bible study at my friend's house, and we, you know, we're, we're talking about forgiveness, and we're in a circle, and we have our Bible open, and I look up over my Bible, and it was such a powerful move. It's just a manifest presence of God. You could just sense him in the room. You could sense his love. People, was, was one girl was forgiving her father. It was powerful. I look up over my Bible, and right like past the Bible text in the dining room of the house, where normally a house would have like a dining room table with chairs and a centerpiece and all this kind of stuff, there is a stripper pole in the middle of the dining room. And I'm not talking about one of those cheesy stripper poles you get with like a workout DVD, okay? I mean a real, you're a spiritual people, you don't know. I'm talking about an industrial strength stripper pole, like chrome mounted into the structure of the home. Like this could carry a number of people on it. So a powerful, it was a, a permanent structure, and I'm in a Bible study, and there's worship music going on, and this girl's forgiving her dad, and God's moving, and there's a stripper pole, like eight feet away. Do you believe that God loves all people, that he can redeem any dark place? Do you believe that the light can penetrate the darkness, that love can expel all fear? Do you feel that God is coming to earth as it is in heaven and Gresham? Do you believe that, that his kingdom is on the way? And it all happened. As we began a conversation that night about forgiveness, point number one, God's always moving you toward a people, but God's always moving you toward forgiveness. And if you're new to Christ and you're watching this for the first time, and maybe, you're, maybe you don't know much about Jesus, the first person you've got to forgive is yourself. You've got to allow Jesus and his grace and what he's done for you. Can I give you the gospel for a second? Man, there's a God who loves you so much that he left heaven and he came to earth, earth for you. 
He left heaven and he came to earth for you. He lived the life that you and I could never live, perfect and sinless. He died the death that we deserve on the cross. Any sinners in the house this morning? He died the death we deserve on the cross because somebody has to answer for all the things that we've done to hurt ourselves and hurt other people. And then he rose again, declaring to the world that everything he ever said about himself is true. That he is who he says he is. He is the eternal God and we have a great future with him. And we can trust everything he ever said. And this gospel message, this good news is for the whole world. And we see that when we put our faith in Jesus, when we believe him, that this new relationship catapults us into the direction that God is moving. Because the direction we were moving before we came to Jesus is like Jonah in chapter 1 verse 3. We are moving away from God. We are heading toward Tarshish. We are heading toward ourselves, our sinful nature, our own plan, our own success, our own egos, our own whatever we have for ourselves. But then one day, come on, say one day, we met Jesus. He saved us and he said, I'm tired of you being my enemy who's working against me and I want to forgive you. I want to meet you where you are. I want to adopt you into my family and I want to turn you from my enemy into my son or into my daughter and I want you to join the movement and the momentum of heaven that's a plan that is bigger than you. It's a plan for the whole world and I want to tailor make the plan for you to fit inside my plan for the whole world. Do you believe God has a plan? Do you believe he has a will for your life? Do you believe he's working in your life right now? Well, then number one, who's the people he's moving you toward? Who's he moving you toward? And number two, what's the forgiveness he's moving you toward? You know, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about forgiveness, and he's kind of an expert. What do you think? He's the guy, the Lord, who when being crucified on the cross, he straight up said, Father, forgive that guy because he doesn't even know what he's doing. There's no standard of forgiveness and grace better than the, the, the embodiment of grace and truth. And he says this in chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. How have I read this for 20 years and never seen this the correct way? I used to think it said, I mean, are you with me on this? I used to think it said, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember that, some, that you have something against somebody else, you got to stop. That's what I used to think it said. Like, hey, if you got somebody you got to forgive, then you better go forgive them before you, you know, worship me. But that's not what it says. It says, someone that has something against you. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. God's grace, the responsibility that we have for his forgiveness and the good news and his love for all people is so powerful that even when we haven't done somebody else wrong, but they've done something to us wrong, when we deserve an apology from them, can I get a witness? When they did you dirty, you gotta go and rectify and reconcile and restore that relationship because God's love is so powerful that even when you're not the perpetrator, you can still be an extension of his mercy and his grace and his love to them. Jeez. Look, this is common day vernacular for you. Once upon a time, you're on your way to East Hill Church. You're having a great morning despite losing an hour of sleep. Here you are, wanting to get to church. And then suddenly you realize, man, that one strained relationship in my life is still hanging there with my family. It's still hanging there with that person I work with. It's still hanging there with that relationship. And something doesn't feel right. I'm not, I know I'm not your pastor, but can I, can I just pastor you for a second? Can I pastor you for a second? And you're trying to worship. The Brown sisters are leading this powerful moment. And you're trying to worship. And you realize that there's a, there's a, there's a relationship you need. You need to go move toward restoring that relationship. It says in 2 Corinthians that not only have we received reconciliation, but we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. The movement of God across the world is that all things would be restored unto him. But you know what? We live in this world where we get this message that says all these things like, you know what? I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Yeah, you're here worshiping this morning and you're like I feel like even though I'm not the one who did something wrong I still feel like this is undone and I need to address this well I've forgiven and now I'll just choose to forget I mean aren't you glad that Jesus 
doesn't say garbage, like I forgive you, but I don't forget. Aren't you glad that when he forgives us, it's a God-sized forgiveness? Where not only does he forgive us of what we've done, come on, he forgives us of everything else he knows we're gonna do. And not, he doesn't keep a record of these wrongs. He forgets from his memories, his memory, the things that we've done, so that when we're in his presence, we don't feel the guilt trip. Come on, we worship a God who doesn't give guilt trips. Guilt pushes people away from each other. God doesn't give you a guilt trip. Come on, can you turn to the person next to you and say, God's not angry at you. God's not angry at you, those of you who are in Christ. You're not Jonah about to get thrown over the boat and eaten by a whale because you weren't listening to him. That's not the moral of the story. That's not what this story is about. Our God doesn't give guilt trips. Guilt pushes you away from him. God would never want to do anything to push you away. God wants to do everything and has done everything through the person and the work of Jesus to bring you in, not push you away. Our God doesn't give guilt trips. Come on, he gives grace trips. He gives grace trips, grace that pulls you in. He meets you where you are. He says, I love you so much that I will meet you where you are, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. Come on, come on, it's time to change. It's time to grow. Did you come to church today because you wanna stay the same or because you wanna grow? Do you wanna know the will of God for your life? Then you need to ask yourself this question. What people, what person, what relationship is God moving me toward? Number two, what level of forgiveness, whether it's somebody who's done something to me or somebody I've done something unto, what, where is he moving me toward in forgiveness? And lastly, probably one of the hardest things about trusting God all in with this is I have a friend when I was 19 years old who was my best friend. My best friend, we grew up together. We finally moved out after high school, got a place. But then my friend Brandon started using a lot of drugs. First it was drinking and then it was all sorts of other drugs and it got out of hand. And I just remember like thinking, this guy has turned into somebody that I don't even know anymore and I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands. But we've had friends in our life who've gotten caught up in, in the struggle of their sin and their sin has overtaken them and they used to know Christ, but now it's, and I was watching him become somebody I didn't even recognize anymore. And our relationship got more and more strained to the point where finally I had to kick him out of our apartment. It got physical, it was bad. At that same time, I first started trying to follow Jesus. And one of the first things that God did with me when I gave my life to Jesus was say, now that I've forgiven you for so much, it's time for you to forgive others. And he said, you gotta forgive Brandon. And I remember where I was when I was driving down the road. And the, it was awesome to hear from God. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the Lord speaking to me. Because by the way, the enemy and your selfish nature is never gonna suggest that you forgive somebody. If you've been betrayed, that's not gonna come from the carnal man. That's the spirit of the living God who says you're better than that and God's bigger than that. And I remember him saying, you need to forgive Brandon. You know what I told God? I told him the, one of my biggest regrets. I said, okay, okay, God, I'll forgive Brandon, but I won't forget. Our relationship will never be the same again. I'll forgive but I won't forget. And just a couple days after that, I got the phone call that Brandon had overdosed, lost his life. I went to the house where he was at. I saw his body cold on the floor. My best friend, my brother. I remember carrying his casket, being a pallbearer to the grave and thinking, what was the last conversation I had with Brandon? And it was that terrible, horrible conversation when I, we, I kicked him out of my apartment. And the Lord, in his sweet, tender mercies, in his compassion, had given me a heads up. He had told me three days before, you know, Justice, I've forgiven you for a lot. It's time for you to forgive him. And I, in my arrogance, in my rebellion, in my wickedness, I said, I know better than you. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'll forgive, but I won't forget. And God in his sweet mercy gave me the opportunity to reconcile with my best friend, knowing that he was gonna lose his life. The last conversation I could have had could have been a restored relationship and who knows what could have happened. But instead I dug my heels in and I said, I forgive, but I don't forget. 
Am I pastoring? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to anybody right now? Do you have a sister? Do you have an uncle? Do you have a coworker? Do you have somebody in your neighborhood or somebody in your life that you have felt way too comfortable just writing off, canceling, or not calling anymore? And COVID made it even worse because now you had every excuse in the book not to call them or to reach out to them or meet up with them. But I believe the Holy Spirit speaking to some people today to say if you want to know the will of God for your life, if you want to be in the movement of God's plan to restore and redeem the world, then you got to start with the circle of people that he's put around you because he is calling you to usher in the love and the forgiveness to a dark world that they would not know if it wasn't for God's work through your life. Jonah had Jonah left the other way. He had, he had to go the other direction. And how many of us are being Jonas today by ignoring where God is moving us? And when I look back on that day, I realize what went wrong. Point number three, the will of God is always moving us to more trust. Because see, my faith was all about on what I believe, what I believe, what I believe. I believe Jesus did this. I believe he did that. I believe he is who he says he is. But don't you know that belief is gonna get you a great religion, but it's trust that's gonna get you a great relationship. Belief is gonna get you a great system and practices of, of who you are and your, your, what your life is all about and your values and your principles. But faith, come on, faith is when you have to trust God even when you don't understand. Faith is when you gotta say, God, I don't know how this is gonna work, but I'm gonna trust you anyways. Come on, will you stand to your feet? If you wanna know the will of God for your life, I believe it is in a moment of repentance right now where you say, God, wake up this heart. If it's Nineveh, so be it. But I wanna move in the direction of your will. Not because I'm afraid of some giant fish that's gonna eat me if I don't listen to you, but because I'm tired of being afraid of not trusting you, of trusting you. How many in this room, we believe God, but we don't trust him because we don't understand and we can't lay the outcome at his feet. I wanna to talk to those that are watching online right now before we go into this song of worship. Those that are watching online right now, maybe you came today for the first time. Maybe you're new to exploring Jesus. You know, maybe this whole thing is brand new. But here's what I wanna believe. I believe that God's been working on your life up to this moment. Somebody text you the link to tune in today. Somehow you found yourself at church today. And the Lord would say to you that he's ready to take you into his arms, to forgive you of what you've done, to set your feet on the rock and re release you into a new future. He does have a purpose for you. He does have a calling for you. He's made you for something bigger than yourself. It's his plan for the world. But it starts with Jesus. Can you put your faith in Jesus for the first time and say, God, here I am. I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. Because to move in God's will, you gotta repent, you gotta turn from this direction, Jonah, to this direction. With every eye closed in this room and our heads bowed, let's pray together as a church. First, I wanna talk to those online, if that's you, and today you wanna give your life to Jesus, you wanna say yes to Jesus for the first time, I want right now in the chat bar that's right in front of you, I want you to type these words, I believe. Whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or the website, wherever you're at, but maybe you're watching this sermon and then you're 2037 on YouTube and somehow you found your way to this sermon and you're in the comments right now and you say, I believe. You're declaring that Jesus is who he says he is, that he loves you as much as he says he does. He died for you while you were still a sinner to give you new life and forgiveness in him. He's filling you with the Holy Spirit right now and releasing you into the God-given future to move in God's plan for the world. And then I wanna ask anybody in this room, do you need to give your life to Jesus today? You need to say yes to him. If that's you and today's the day that you wanna come home to God, you're tired of being a Jonah and you're ready for, to, to run into the arms of God. On the count of three, if you just raise your hand, this will be a moment between you and God and me. I'm not gonna call you down to the front. I just want you to have a moment where you say, this was the day that I stopped running from God and I started running to God. On the count of three, if that's you, one, no turning back, two, three, raise your hand up today. You wanna to give your life to Jesus. We're with you and we're with you and we're with you. Come on, let's celebrate this. We're with you. Come on, anybody else? Come on, let's worship together. Do you believe that he's working? Do you believe he's working? Come on, let's celebrate together. He's working in those relationships. Come on, let's sing together.
wanna ask this room and those that are watching online, if you need a miracle for God to restore a relationship that's in your life. See, I, I can't get up here and preach this message without me first preaching it to myself. And before I even got up here, I had to search my heart. And I have a family member where things have gotten so strained and the last thing I wanna do is pick up the call. Do you have that family member when they call you? It's like, it's so much easier to send it to voicemail. Do you got that friend on Facebook? It's when you see their timeline, you can't celebrate with them. Like, I can't like that. I cannot give a fire emoji to that. No, no, no. And the bitterness is there. You need a miracle. Because you need God to move through your soul in a way that heals your own heart and ushers his healing into that relationship. You need a miracle with your ex-husband, your ex-wife, your ex-boss where you left on bad terms. If that's you and you need a miracle, I want you to lift your hand. We're gonna pray. Jesus, we pray for the hands that are lifted to you all around this room. And we lift up these relationships and we know you are on the move. We know that your word says you are restoring all things unto you. We know that your word says that you are active and present in those relationships, bringing all people to you. There are people with their heart shredded right now because of their ex. And they wonder, when is my heart gonna be healed? I will tell you, friend, when you can really forgive, that's when the healing is gonna be released in your life. There are people right now, why can't I get that job? I've applied for 30 jobs. You know what? You haven't forgiven that last boss that did you dirty and breakthroughs on the way today as you surrender to God. I just pray for every hand that's up. Lord, you see their heart, you see their situation and their scenario. And Lord, you know that only through you can a miracle happen. But it's their faith that is gonna release that and the lives of these people that you love so much more than we ever we could. So Lord, we pray for everybody represented in this room and we pray this would be a day that we look back on and say, that was the day everything changed in my heart and everything changed in that relationship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, let's give him a big hand, come on. That, that's here you're angry with God you have an offense against God who is that lift your hand I want to pray with you who is that it's somebody come here come here you too you got your hand raised come here come here who else did I miss somebody this is important you got your hand raised come here Come right here if you had your hand raised. Come on, young lady, I'm waiting on you. Yeah, come right here. Come on. It's all right. Come here. Don't worry about these people in this building. Come on. You guys, come here. Come here. Have you. Yeah. Look at me first. It's okay. First of all, God is big enough to handle your anger. And really, it's not anger as much as it's disappointment. God, you didn't do what I thought you would do the way that I thought you would do it in the time that I thought you would do it. You didn't do it. So there's a part of you that is hesitant, resonant to come to God to bring anything else to him. I lost my grandmother who was, if you know anything about my story, you know, that's the only mother I really consistently had is my grandma. In that way, in that season in my life, I felt like she was always a nurturer throughout. My mom and I are great. We're getting better in this season. But she died in my arms. And I prayed and I asked God and I believed and I thought, you know what, if anybody got some credit in the bank, it ought to be me. I'm pastored. I've been putting up with your people. At least you could do this. And she died in my arms. And it took me several years, in fact. And I was preaching, mad at God, upset, disappointed, frustrated. And God said, I gave her something better than what you asked for. I gave her me in my presence. And you'll only be able to, to receive that 
when you trust that I know best. I don't understand to this day, but I know he loves me. I know he cares for me and I know she's with him. And there's not one moment that she would exchange to come back here for being there. And God is so good and so wise that he exceeded what I prayed for. And he's comforted my heart. So let me pray for you guys right now. Lift your hands before the Lord. Come on, church. This is when you get to be a family. Stretch forth your hands this way. This could be you in the next season. Call your wife. Come lay your hands on her. Come on, just put your hands on her. Two hands. There you go. And just pray from your heart. Abby, God's going to minister to you right now. Yep. It's okay. You don't have to be strong in this moment. In fact, it's better if you just are weak so his strength can be made perfect. Come on, you can open your mouth and begin to pray. You don't have to wait for me, church. Begin to pray. Ask God, whatever God will put in your heart for them right now, begin to speak those prayers out. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, the first thing we do is repent. We're sorry. You know best. And like Justice said, there's something beyond believing. It's called trusting when we can't see it. Sing that quietly. Even when I can't see it, sing that. Never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Come on, that part, even when I can't see, that part, come on. Even when I can't see it, when I can't perceive it, when I don't feel it, you're working. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, now you sing it with them down here at the altar. You sing it with them. Come on, sing it by faith. Sing it out of trust. Come on, church, lift your voice. Sing it. Come on, that part. Sing it. Let's go. Lift your voice. God's breaking through right now. Come on, lift your hands before the Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Come on, like you mean it. Lift your hands one more time before the Lord all over the building. Father, thank you for a church and a place and a space. It's been a year that we haven't been able to gather. And even in this moment, we're gathering with masks on and have to be distanced. God, I thank you, first of all, for a church that's been willing to be flexible over these 12 months, not complaining, not murmuring over masks and all of the protocols. Thank you for those that are here this morning that, that have rode with us through this. So, Lord, let there be a grace on the house, just a grace, just a favor, just a mercy for all that they've endured these last 12 months, Lord. Let every house be visited with your goodness. We speak a blessing over them today in Jesus' name. We speak peace. We speak prosperity. We speak the joy of the Lord, which is their strength. God, we speak your love in their house, God. In spite of all that we've lost, we've not lost your love. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So listen, every week you should be looking to invest in relationships somewhere. Just like Pastor just said, God's moving you towards somebody.
Every time you get a chance, you ought to be moving in relationship towards somebody. Anytime you find yourself leaning back in isolation, you're moving away from the move of God. It's always people. So you're leaning in to invest in relationships, and you're going to invite. You're going to be the best inviters in East County. Why? Because every week we're going to preach the gospel, and every week somebody's life's going to get changed. Amen? And you get to be a part of that celebration. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thank you. Man, listen, I've watched you grow. I've watched you mature. I've watched you, and it's been one of the great joys of my life. It is a humbling thing to be called pastor. It is, it is one of the joys of my life, graces of my life, to be a pop in the faith now. You bring me so much joy, but I'm going to kill you for showing that video. Go with God. God's going to go with you. We love you.